Hello, and welcome to another episode of Another Football Podcast. Just want to give a quick thank you to everybody who tuned in on our first comeback uh, podcast regarding a Q&A. Tom was there to answer all your questions. Uh, shout out to everybody that sent us the questions. Really, really appreciate it. And like promised, we are starting a pod series uh, where we're going to go uh, reviewing every single team in Liga Mekis, kind of get more in depth of what happened um, in Glasura 2019 up to this point. We're going to actually dig deep um, into each team. So, but first, let me just, you know, you know him. Let's introduce my, my co-host, Tom Harrison. How are you? ¿Cómo estás, Karina? ¿Estoy bien, tú? También, también. Muy bien. Um, so, are you ready to go ahead and dissect each team in the Gamakis the way that you know how to do it? Yeah, it's, it's a big challenge. Uh, I, I think I underestimated to an extent how much research I needed to put in to prepare for this, particularly as we're going through the whole of the 2019-20 season up until this point and then looking into the future as well. So casting the mind back to the Apertura seems, seems like a long time ago. Yeah, definitely. We need to kind of review back, you know, look at video, kind of remind ourselves, you know, what the team looked like then and with different players. As we all know, they got to make these changes by the hour, by the day, by the month. Yeah, so. yeah. that's one of the, I remember, I remember that's one of the first things I ever said was that Liga Mekis is the league that changes faster than any other. Definitely. And as we see it throughout the three months that we have had no Liga Mekis, but that will be another topic for another podcast. So, Tom, are you ready to introduce the first team that we're going to go ahead and dig into? Yeah, well, we're going to start uh, alphabetically for the first team, which is America. Yes. So for all you um, Aguila lovers, this podcast is for you. Uh, we're going to talk about America. So let's go ahead and talk about Apertura 2019 in the regular season. Tom, as we know, you know, the, a thing that an as a very important aspect of each team uh, that we have to look at from the start is what kind of style of play. Uh, do they have? I think it's kind of overlooked. I think teams tend to kind of, you know, start buying players, but not really have an ideology behind. So talk to me about America's style of play and maybe kind of the formation that they're used to under Piojo Herrera. Yeah, so uh, Piojo is not someone who's kind of super known for a style, certainly not, not as much as Ferretti, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, he was back in the day, of course, because he was known for obviously playing with a five-man defense, but that's changed. It changed particularly when he was Cholos manager and for the majority of the time with America as well, he's played with a four-man defense. Um, it's, it was a mix in, in the Apertura, looking back. There were times when it was very much a 4-2-3-1 and that caused uh, some problems, certainly some questions in attack because they never quite settled on the number 10, right? There was mm -hmm. uh, Benedetti was playing sometimes. I mean, he has obviously had some very bad injury problems, which has been really unfortunate for him. You had Gio de Santos come in uh, and out of the team at times. And you also had Andres Ibargan, who is uh, really a winger. And I thought it was quite strange when I saw him playing. 
as as an attacking midfielder as a number 10 because I didn't think it was really the best role to suit him but he was also used there as well so you got three different guys playing in that same position and then also a mix of systems so sometimes the 4-2-3-1 became more of a 4-3-3 kind of hybrid which was out of possession it would be really a kind of like like a 4-1-4-1 the wingers dropping back to support the the two holding midfielders um but then in possession moving to a 4-3-3 particularly with Richard Sanchez who was playing on the right side of the the two holding midfielders getting forward a lot um uh, he was a new signing at the point and yeah he would help out the attack a lot which was often create a more of a 4-3-3 system and then also there was an experiment with the 4-4-2 a couple of times during the regular season with two out and out strikers and mm-hmm. this is something that then, well, um, we'll get onto it, but, but became the norm in Ligia. Yeah, definitely. Um, so in regards to that, ending Apertura in the regular season, America ended in sixth place with 31 points. Now, how does this reflect, you know, how they played during the season with, you know, ending in sixth place, 31 points, you know, they had losses to Cruz Azul, Santos, Tigres, Atlas, in your opinion, regular season, did America do well for where they ended? Yeah, I think they ended pretty much where they were supposed to be. If, if you're looking at the uh, expected goals table, then which is the, the best method we have for analyzing the underlying performance of the team and taking away the, the short-term factors like goalkeeper performance and um, you know how well the the strikers finished their chances, which can fluctuate a lot. So if we're trying to dig down into the underlying performance, the expected goals is the best method. Through the Y Scouts model, which, as I've said before, is not the very very best, but gives a good idea. They were third on that table, uh, so ending sixth and I mean only a point off third place is, I think, a fair result. Uh, what's interesting though is if you dig down into the attack and the defense, and their defense was actually on expected goals, the best in the league. But if you're looking at actual goals conceded, they conceded eight more in the regular season than Tigres. And this was mainly because Ochoa came in and was really poor. Uh, <laughs> and it's hard to say why, but me going very out there has a suggestion that he struggled to adapt back to playing at altitude where the ball flies mm-hmm. through the air a little bit faster. I mean, that is a very out there claim. Um, I would not suggest that that's perfect. That would need a lot of analysis to understand. And there could be many other factors involved. But yeah, Choa was, was pretty poor. Um, but they made up for it by massively outscoring. Um, their attack in terms of expected goals created was middle in the league, pretty much. Um, like I said, they never quite settled properly on a system and their attack never looked really fluid or really convincing I guess you could say um, but they relied on some individual players performing very well and in front of goal and um, this kind of fits in I mean, obviously you can never rely on outscoring your XG but it kind of fits in with the sort of team that they are because especially under um, under Herrera they've always almost always um, topped the league for dribbling numbers so they've always mm-hmm. been quite a, an individual team, yeah, especially in attack. I see. So 
you know, America ends in, in sixth place, you know, sent to the Liguilla. They have Tigres, America, which, you know, we've all had repeatedly the new Clásico, um, which, you know, I don't like that term at all. But, um, you know, they feel like they've played like multiple times in, in just the past year um, with other, you know, small you know, tournaments yeah, or just played friendlies. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To a point where like, Oh really? Again, like they're facing again, like, wow. Like can it, this get more exciting, you know, sarcastically speaking, but, um, you know, matchup against Tigres, you know, Morelia, which Morelia had knocked out my, you know, my, my, my very beloved Leon, but good matchup. And then they ended in the, in the crazy chaotic final against Monterrey. So, you know, we talked about American regular season now in the Guia. What did you conclude on the Gia? Because, you know, we all know regular season, you know, is a different ball game than the Gia. What is your opinion over America's overall performance, you know, in the Gia, obviously with the crazy, chaotic, you know, problematica final with, with Monterrey? Yeah, it was a, it was a strange Ligia for them because, well, I mean, they kept losing the first leg, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they kept coming back. And yeah, I mean, the first leg against Tigres, they were pretty unlucky, let's be honest. Um, in, in some regards, to have gotten away, to, to have come away with a defeat. But there was that controversial moment late on where the counterattack was prevented for Tigres. Uh, but if you're looking at you know, the game itself, I mean, Tigres had four shots in the whole game and scored twice. So, but. This is when we come back to, like I was saying about this, this formation change to a 4-4-2 because, I mean, whether this was forced on Piojo or whether he decided, you know what, we've got to go for it. We've got to, being 2-1 down for the first day against Tigres, um, having finished below them in the table as well, we've got to come out and score goals and you know, win this. At least if we're going to win it by one goal, we've got to go and score three. So... He turned up with a very attacking lineup and he played this combination of Henry Martin and Federico Vinas. And they started playing a lot more direct. What's interesting, if you're looking at the aerial duels of the strikers per game, normally America playing with one up front, they'd have six, seven, eight aerial duels per game. They then go with two up front and both players are getting six, seven, eight aerial duels per game. So oh, wow, they've so always pretty much yeah I mean, it's a bit of a simplification but yeah you you are kind of looking at a uh, at a multiplication um obviously there are some more aspects that go into it but they've always been a team that have been very capable of avoiding playing through the midfield and looking to play direct instantly into particularly into the wide players um and using their dribbling abilities but yeah they started to go direct more direct to both of these guys who Neither of them are particularly tall, Vinyas or Martin, but we know they're both very physically strong and um, they showed they were certainly capable of winning aerial duels during, um, during the gear. So, yeah, they make it through Tigres with a fantastic, um, fantastic start. You know, 3-0 up at half-time was extraordinary. And then, like, they go and play Morelia next and then they... I mean, they were pathetic in the first leg. Like, yeah. they only turned up. They lost 2-0 and it was a really poor performance. Um, but again, just came back so strong and the intensity, the the high press that they produced in that second leg was 
extraordinary. Um, overran, really overran Morelia at times. Morelia, who really liked to play up at the back. And, um, you know, they, they got the job done there. And again, the final is a similar story of a first leg where they were outplayed. And, you know, perhaps fortunate to come away just with a 2-1 defeat and then came back strong in the second leg. And, and like we said, there's so many controversial moments in that final. It was crazy. And um, yeah, obviously unfortunate to have lost on penalties in the end. Definitely. I remember watching that final in Mexico and you could not believe what was going on. And obviously, you know, very different time in the calendar because this was, you know, really late December and uh, I think it was kind of a good way to you know have some football around that time um, yeah I love, I love those Christmas finals I think they're great <laughs> I think that's a uh, something to think about for the league uh, definitely um, so you know that ends you know Apertura 2019 you know America is sixth and sending sent off to La Liga losing a final now it comes to, to transfers. And obviously, you know, it's always a, a hot topic. You know, who's being let go? Who's coming in? Um, you know, do you want to start with the altas or the bajas? Well, go for them both. <laughs> so, you know what? Let's talk about the bajas because I think it's very important. We have a very important player who has been praised so much, you know, season after season. Guido Rodriguez. Um, 25 years old, young, great, great player. What did you, what did you think about his departure? What is what did life after Guido mean to America? Yeah, obviously a huge loss. Probably the best player uh, in Liga Mekis over the past few years, both at Cholos and at America. And he just has he has so many qualities, but obviously his main qualities are defensive and. He has an extraordinary ability of um, covering the defence, covers so much ground in the midfield, reads the game extremely well. He's, he's physically strong. He's clever too. And yeah, he obviously makes a huge number of defensive actions and isn't often uh, beaten 1v1, but also just his ability to cover space. It gave America so many possibilities because if you've got someone like Guido who's almost doing the job of two guys in the midfield, then mm. it allows you just to push more men forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, he left Real Betis. Also, the other bajas um, that America had, for example, uh, Carlos Vargas went on alone and uh, Leonel Lopez. Now moving on to the altas of Club America, we had, for example, Sebastián Cázares, 20 years old. We had Leo Suárez, youngster, 23 years old, and Santiago Cázares, which, you know, at one point I was so confused. I was like, okay, so one Sebastián and one is Santiago Cázares. Yeah, uh, both really with young. a C and one's with an S as well. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, a couple of mix up there. But, you know, what do you think of these transfers for, you know, the clausura that, that America had on, on those three players? Yeah, quite interesting signings, certainly fitting in what they've done recently. I think in terms of recruitment, America have been, I would say with Nicaxa, the most interesting and most successful teams in Liga Mekis recently. Obviously, different types of recruitment because we're talking about 
massively different budgets. But what America have done really well is they've brought in a lot of not super, super young guys. Um, I mean, Casares, Sebastian, the, the center back being 20 years old is pretty young for them. But normally picking up guys in their low to mid 20s, um, mm -hmm. guys who can come in who they know are proven to an extent. They know that they can come in and make an impression on the first team and can do very well at Liga Mekis. And then potentially that they can sell on in the future, which clearly they've done with a lot of players in recent years. So all these signings really fit into uh, what seems to be a very solid and successful transfer policy of recent seasons. The centre-back, Sebastian Casades is very interesting coming from Uruguay. Obviously, Uruguay is the producer of a lot of talent, but it's very different. The league is, is way, way smaller. Um, super, like so much talent there, but just you know, the infrastructure there is so different. So it'll be interesting. We haven't seen much of him, but he's regarded very, very highly. Someone I've looked at in the past myself. And then you had the other Casares coming in on loan from Villarreal. I'm not sure mm -hmm. if there's a purchase option in there, but potentially being that Guido Rodriguez replacement. Although, again, he hasn't actually appeared too much. The one who's probably made the most impact so far is uh, Leo Suarez, who's uh, had to play, particularly on the right wing, after Renato Ibarra hasn't played much. And he's looked very interesting. Very, very lively, dangerous winger. Definitely. I agree. Um, so with, you know, mentioning kind of the, some of the loans that went out and a couple of the signings, you know, we're starting the Clausura 2020, obviously, you know, the rest got canceled. But let's just talk about how they started and until what point, um, you know, they had to stop the, uh, stop Liga Mekis, cancel the season. America ended in fourth with 17 points, um, obviously, as playing Liga Mekis, they also had the Cup Champions League, uh, so they had a kind of double dip on both tournaments. Um, Tom, regarding the 2020 Clausura, uh, to the point that it was stopped, how did you think America uh, did? Do you think they were on the right path, or was was there not enough that we saw that was yet to see if the season had continued? It was a tough one with them because they had so many injuries and new players that, like, as I've mentioned, we barely saw. They also had a couple of games where there was red cards in there, especially a couple of games where they got red cards early on. Um, the Nakaxa game particularly, which was a bit ridiculous. Uh, there was the Juarez game as well, both of which they lost. So it is a little bit hard to analyze them. I, I'm really not sure where they're at. I mean, I have no idea what, what their strongest lineup is right now, to be honest. Mm -hmm. What I will say is, and we do have to take into account, we've got two games here that they've had reds early on. Uh, and one of, one of them against Nikaxa is multiple reds. So it will affect things, but their XG difference is not good. Um, it's very much in the negative. Only five teams are sitting in a worse position on that table. So... I can say they're very fortunate to be in the position they are. They were particularly fortunate to have won three games 1-0. And they have a lot to thank Guillermo Ochoa for, who, after being 
very disappointing in the apertura has uh, done very well in the clausura. So, yeah, it really wasn't a very promising season in many ways. And there may even have been doubts that they would have made it into Ligia, depending on how the team would have developed uh, into the final weeks of the season. But given what I know right now, the, the prediction would have been if they, they didn't improve, they wouldn't have made Ligia. Yeah, it's hard to tell, like you said, um, especially, you know, Ochoa having kind of his redeemed season from last season, you know, could have that been a, a determining factor? Uh, if America wasn't doing so well, could they have, you know, Ochoa been the savior at, uh, at the end of it? Um, very difficult to say, very good information. Um, obviously, we know that, you know, the season will kind of look a little bit different, but um, yeah, that's how America ended. So let me ask you this. So with the current squad, you know, coming into a new season that, you know, will be starting July 24th, um, where do you think that America needs help, like position-wise? Like kind of where do you think the reinforcement needs to be focused on? Do they need, you know, winger? Do you need, you know, strikers? We know we also have question marks regarding strikers. Let's just start off there. You know, we had you know, Castillo, you know, with his injuries, and Roger, you know, we heard of all these um, rumors of him leaving that I feel like kind of got into his head because he got to a point where he just wanted to be sold and they came out saying there was not, there's not an existing. Yeah, um, it seemed, it seemed an assumption, didn't it? He, yeah. So let's talk about strikers first. Do you think America could benefit with a, a striker reinforcing that position? I don't think they need. I think, if anything, they could do with, with moving someone on. I think with, they've right now got, obviously, Roger can play wide as well. But I'm not convinced long-term that playing a 4-4-2 with two out-and-out strikers and two out-and-out wingers is the right thing for them to do. The problem with that is um, you can leave yourself very open in the midfield with a lack of cover. Mm -hmm. And without Guido to cover those gaps, I think it's asking a bit much of the guys they've got in midfield right now. So, yeah, I'm not sure their future lies with playing two proper strikers. So having four in the squad is a lot. Um, I mean, I'm not sure the state of Nico Castillo and when he can play again, but it seems to me that with Henry and Vinas, they've got a couple of nice options there. I'm not sure Vinas is quite as good as perhaps some people think. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, his underlying numbers don't match his goal output. Uh, but Henry Martin's a, a striker I've, I've really liked for a long time. And I think he's a very nice option. So, yeah, maybe, maybe Roger is, is the one that they may look to move on again. It's very difficult to know what's going on there, what's in his mind, and obviously with the current situation, whether there would be an offer or not. So let me ask you this, because you, are, you brought up Henry, and you know, I'm going to ask you later, but has Henry Martin always been underrated to you? I think recently he has. Um, I'm, you know, going back to when he was at Cholos, is, that was a long time ago, so... 
<laughs> I'm not really sure is, uh, from when he was at Cholos, but I think he has been recently. I think what he does, uh, he offers a lot to the team. So mm. he's not necessarily a, a massive out-and-out goal scorer. He's not someone who, I mean, he could. He could go and have an amazing season and put in double figures, but he's not someone who I would expect to be goleador at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. But he's good in the air, as I covered before, and, and he gets involved in the play very well. He helps out in build-up. He is creative. He's always near the top. Um, for strikers, if you're looking at um, expected goals created or expected assists or, or just key passes, um, he's right at the top normally for Liga Meki strikers for those, um, those data points. So I think he's a striker that offers a lot. You just need to make sure you've got enough goals around him, you know, that you're not relying on him to say, okay, well, this guy's going to go and score double figures every single Liga Meki season. Mm -hmm. um, you've got to make sure you've got guys around him that are also capable of feeding off what he creates to, to chip in with good goal numbers as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so what other reinforcements do you think America needs, if any? So just going through the squad quickly I think in goal and defense they're very well covered particularly in defense there's a nice mix of some youth and experience in there I think they've got enough bodies um the midfield obviously is a bit of a question mark because of Guido Guido's departure mm -hmm. so far actually Fernando Gonzalez um for me has done quite a remarkable job because when he was at uh, Necaxa he came across as a completely different player uh, to mm -hmm. what he's done at America. Well, not, maybe not completely different, but quite different. And with Nakaxa, he was always someone who liked to have the ball more and liked to play shorter passes. Um, still helped progress the play, but, but played shorter. Whereas with America, he's getting the ball less because America often avoids the midfield. And he's playing a lot more direct. But what's also impressed me is how he's improved defensively. But he's still not going to cover that ground like Guido did. So mm -hmm. they need to make sure that maybe they can't, they can't clone Guido. They can't have Guido 2.0. But between, mm -hmm. between the two guys, you know, which they, they will probably play a 4-2-3-1, I can imagine. Mm -hmm. um, they need to make sure those two guys can do the work of Guido and whoever was playing alongside him before. What I think they can particularly benefit from is more defensive work from Richard Sanchez. And we know he's capable of this because looking at his numbers from Paraguay when he was there, he was a very well-rounded midfielder. He did a lot with the ball going forward, and we've certainly seen this at America. He's um, been very creative in the final third. He has a great expected assist number for a midfielder. Um, he also plays a lot of passes into the box. He's a uh, very good 1v1, can drive forward with the ball, but his defensive output is below average for a Liga Mekis midfielder. And from his time in Paraguay, I know it's, it's a different league, so maybe, maybe it's a little bit difficult to compare. Uh, maybe we're seeing that we're taking the step up. He can reproduce some of his output, but not all. 
but I still reckon he can do more defensively. I think we've seen that from him in the past. And I think they can benefit from that a lot in terms of replacing, as I said, replacing Guido's output, not with just one player, because that is almost impossible, if not impossible, but making sure they have that output from their midfield in total. So where they might need to strengthen and look to bring someone in, like I said, in, in general, the squad's pretty good, but maybe as another winger, obviously we don't know the situation with Renato right now, um, but they could do with someone else to come in, but, um, potentially to replace him if he doesn't return. Um, looking domestically, I mean, well, first of all, one problem with this is that their foreign player quota is currently full, according to the new Liga Mekis rules. So they would need to move someone on. But if someone like Roger Martinez was to go, then there would be a spot open. Domestically, funnily enough, the, the best option in Liga Mekis right now is Romario Ibarra at uh, Pachuca, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but obviously, when you're talking about wingers, and especially in this part of the world, there's... Normally, no real shortage of options. There are a bunch of guys in South America. Obviously, America can also look for someone uh, playing in Europe as well. But yeah, they could go through the South American leagues. And with their budget, um, you'd think would be available. They'd have a lot of options. It just comes down to what do they want. And you know, we, we go back to something that will be mentioned time and time again on these podcasts, which is, what is their style? How do they want to play? And what do they need someone in a certain position to do? You know, what do they want from their wide players? I would say for sure, knowing how Bjorko has been in, in the past, they want a great dribbler. Um, mm -hmm. But do they want more of a goal scorer? Do they want more of a creator? Do they want someone who cuts inside? Do they want someone who's going outside and putting crosses in? so many different things to think about um, and tons of different options just to throw some names out there there's a great crop of young attacking midfielders and wide players in Uruguay right now and just to mention a few names um, there's a guy called Brian Ocampo who's a Nacional um, very creative puts in a lot of crosses and dribbles so he'd be an interesting option and a guy who's a bit similar to him is Ignacio La Quintana who's at Defensive Sporting again not uh, a great goal scorer more of a more of a creator um, if they were looking for more of a goal scorer a guy called Federico Martinez who's on loan at Rosario Central but obviously hasn't been playing that that will be ending he's owned by Liverpool in Uruguay he's someone who isn't as active in the build-up of the play, but can get into the box and um, provide a goal for it as well. So just throwing a few options out there, but the key to the success is obviously finding the right player to fit the system. Definitely. And that's what we, I think we stress, so we don't stress enough how important that is. Um, but it's a good thing that kind of, you know, going over, you kind of get to see, a little bit more of the overall America at this point and possibilities are kind of endless for them. Just, you know, being a club that can pretty much get whatever new toy they want. Um, so 
one more thing before we wrap up is a medica focus uh podcast uh talk to me about sebastian cordova this youngster 22 years old very promising in your opinion what do you think there's their potential you know do you give him how long before he ends up leaving to europe talk to me about sebastian cordova well i mean i certainly don't think he's ready yet to be honest i think mm-hmm. he's an interesting player mm-hmm. i'm still not sure where he is best actually one thing okay. that was interesting that america did once was I can't remember which game it was, but they played a 4-3-3 where they had um, Gonzalez sitting as the, the deepest midfielder. And then you had Richard Sanchez on the right side pushing forward and Cordova on the left side pushing forward, which I think gave a really nice balance to the midfield because you've got that third man in there to do some defensive work. And mm-hmm. you've also got, obviously, the attacking output of, Cordova and Sanchez so um, playing on I think probably their favorite sides although we've seen Cordova play on the right as well as a winger as a number 10 as a number eight as something in between that kind of um, eight slash ten role that Kevin De Bruyne role if mm-hmm. Piojo goes to the four three three, could be really interesting for him what he is is he's a very very energetic player very energetic uh he offers so much um yeah energy with the ball without the ball he yeah he works very hard defensively which is which is great um and he works very hard to try and make things happen when he has got the ball he loves to run at defenders he loves to take risks what i think he needs to do is you can see that he's got great technique but i think he needs to improve his decision making a little bit and you know, you love the exuberance that he does give on the pitch, but mm-hmm. sometimes he's taking shots from poor positions. A lot of times he's trying to take on too many players and losing the ball. Uh, so I think he needs to improve that decision-making, which is the sort of thing you'd say should come in time with a young player. Um, but he's certainly someone who has been very interesting to watch so far someone who does have the ability to change games just needs to become a more consistent player and it would probably help although being versatile is of course not a bad thing but it would mm-hmm. probably help is if he was to have a consistent run in the team playing in the same position rather than what we've seen of him being a little bit in and out of the team and then you know one one day he's on the wing next day he's a number 10, next day is a number 8. It's quite difficult. Yeah, definitely consistency is key, especially with him being so young and kind of strengthening his uh, flaws. And I think, like you said, maybe he's not ready right now, but giving him consistency, giving him time and minutes on the pitch definitely will help him develop and uh, into a player that can definitely be overall um, well enough in a prime to, to leave. So... You're right. He's a joy to watch. Um, I really, really like this youngster. I'm hoping the best for him. Uh, so I guess we'll have to see how he develops um, in the next coming season. Um, so I think we're going to wrap up America. What do you think, Tom? Anything else you want to give an input overall? No, I mean, I think that's 
covered it very, very well. Um, like we say, it's a little bit tricky because that clausura has really left us with more questions than, than answers, I'd say. But still a very strong squad if we're a little unsure, particularly on how that attack all fits together. Definitely. That's a good point. I think it'll be interesting to see how these teams will jump back into the new uh, season, especially a team like America, regarding what happened the past two seasons. Um, hopefully they'll be able to jump back and kind of readjust to, to the reality um, of, of things um, regarding their squad. So, well, guys, this is the end of our first pod series of reviewing all the Liga Mekis teams, di- you know, dissecting them, going into detail, kind of giving you the ins and outs of, you know, regarding just not too far back, but just from um, Apertura 2019 up to this point and looking forward. Uh, hopefully you guys like this and hopefully we'll get your team. Um, you know, we're going to pick randomly so you don't know what team is coming. Um, I think we have a, a system that we're trying to sort out and uh, see what team we're doing next. But hopefully you enjoyed this, uh, the beginning of this pod series. Uh, don't forget to follow at another football. Um, the podcast will be there um so if you like it like it retweet it give us your opinion you know let us know what you think about this america focused podcast um tom if people aren't following you where can they follow you at it's at tom h underscore 36 and you can follow me at gary torres underscore seven follow us there follow the pod um we will be posting um you know this pod and upcoming maybe we'll run a poll and see what you guys um want next um, oh, and I want to give a special shout out to the Eagle Eye podcast, America focused English um, account that focuses on everything America in English. A great podcast. Uh, you guys can definitely follow them um, for upcoming season. They do a weekly podcast, giving you everything America if you're an America fan. So, shout out to Christian, Dylan, and Ivan, dearest friends. Keep on the good work and giving us content for the Liga Mekis community. So, we're taking off. Tom, thank you everybody, and we will see you in another episode of another football podcast with another team in Liga Mikey's.